I'm going to be in the gospel, and this has got to be one of the funniest parts in the entire Bible. You just sort of read this and you chuckle. And need some context here. I've been talking to you about truth. How do you know what's true? How do you know what real is and those kinds of things? This vignette is in that same vein. It's one of the I am statements that Yeshua makes in the book of John. There are either seven or eight depending on how you count. If it's seven, it's complete. If it's eight, it's new beginning. Your choice. The first one is, of course, he says, I'm the bread of life. And to validate that, he feeds the 5,000. The next thing he says is, I am the light of the world. And that was in last week's portion and continues in this one. In order to demonstrate that he's the light of the world, he opens the eyes of a blind man. So then the next one is either one or two, depending on how you want to count. In John 10, he says he's the door of the sheep, and he also says he's the good shepherd. I suspect those who want seven see that as one statement. Those who want eight, it is two. As I say, I don't care. In John 10, he says, I am the Son of God. In 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Then when he's talking to his disciples, he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that's John 14. And then he says he is the true vine, and that's John 15. In those cases, he's speaking to his disciples. So if you like eight, then I am the true vine is a new beginning. If you like seven, it's complete, as I say, your choice. But then we go on to Revelation. Same author, John, in both cases. So in Revelation 1, 21, and 22... He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then in Revelation 22, he says, I am the root and the descendant of David. So what he's saying is, I am the one who originated David. I am also his descendant. So those are the I am statements. Now, this whole vignette today is set up where the question is, who sinned? They're walking along, and the disciples see this blind guy, and they say, Who sinned? Him or his mom? And then we get down to the end of it, where the Pharisees are flumbering around. He says that a sinner couldn't do this stuff. And they say to him, You were born in iniquity, and yet you presume to teach us. So the brackets here are this question of who sinned. And that's what sets the whole thing up. Our friends, the Pharisees, have got a worldview. Their worldview is God doesn't listen to sinners. This guy, Yeshua, is a sinner because he doesn't keep Shabbat. So this guy doesn't keep Shabbat. Therefore, he is a sinner. Therefore, God doesn't listen to him. Therefore, he could not have done that. That's your thinking, right? Furthermore, this guy was born blind. And notice all of the running around they do to authenticate that. They, they can't believe it. And so this guy used to be born blind. Therefore, he's a sinner. And this is their reasoning all the way around. Their reasoning is perfectly logical. The problem is their premises are wrong. The thing that they are reasoning from is wrong. So their reasoning faculties lead them to the wrong conclusion. And they are unwilling to change their premises. 
And so they keep banging their head against reality. And the reality is, this guy was born blind, now he sees. And they finally just throw up their hands and say, get out of here. Out of the synagogue. We don't want to see you anymore. Does this sound like a Twitter stream to you? I'm dead serious. This sounds very much to me like a Twitter stream. Somebody says something that's true, people jump all over him because it violates their worldview, and then they wind up throwing him off the platform. We don't want to hear this guy anymore. So what we're seeing here is a treatise on human reason, a treatise on how wrong reasoning will lead you astray, and furthermore, how you have to examine your premises in light of reality. And if reality says your premises are wrong, you need to change them. And that's where we hit reset, because we don't want to change these things we believe. So what's happening with the Pharisees is they've got this education and mindset that they've grown up with. Reality conflicts with it. Therefore, we're going to try and get rid of reality instead of changing who we are. And this goes right along with this treatise on truth that we did last time, where Yeshua says, if you're my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is all in that same vein. How do you tell what's real? How do you tell what's true? What should you do in the face of reality conflicting with what you believe? Well, the Pharisees start off okay, because reality is conflicting with what they believe. A sinner couldn't do this. Nobody who was ever born blind has ever been made to see. Therefore, this is impossible. So the first thing we do is we go check and see if this guy is the same guy. Had this guy been sitting begging before, or is this just somebody that looks like him? Remember, that's the first thing that the neighbors said. Is that him? Well, it looks like him, but no, it couldn't be. So the first thing they're doing is perfectly logical. They are checking to see if this really happened. And on discovering that it really happened, that's when they stutter and hit reset. You know, the red lights all go on and the helicopter crashes into the mountain because they are unwilling to change at that point. Why should they change? Why should they believe? Well, several reasons. Reason number one is, as the formerly blind man says, in the history of the world, no one has ever had his eyes open. And if you read back in Scripture, that's true. Yeshua is the first one who did it. And by the way, let me take you to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. Now, when John, John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, so John is in prison, he's talking to some of his disciples, say, go talk to this guy. And they said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Perfectly reasonable question. Are you the Messiah, or is this sort of a false start and we look for somebody else? Yeshua doesn't answer the question. This is really important. And Yeshua answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. In other words, go tell him the reality that you are observing. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. 
the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Yeshua does not say, yeah, I'm the one. What he says is, go back and report what you've seen. And what you've seen happen, and he lists those things, is according to the Tanakh and the Torah, dispositive evidence that the one who does that is the Messiah. So he doesn't waltz up and say, I'm the Messiah. He starts doing these deeds that are predicted of the Messiah, and everybody else is then left to infer from his deeds who he is. And so the Pharisees, being students of the Bible, know all this. These are not stupid people. They know all of this. So when they run up against this conflict, wait a minute, he doesn't keep the Sabbath, at least as we understand it. He doesn't keep the Sabbath, therefore he's a sinner. So he can't be doing all this stuff. We have this hard reset that's going on in their mind. That's what this whole thing is about. The idea that they should understand, they should know, they should recognize who he is. They don't. And the reason they don't is that they have raised up all sorts of extra-biblical stuff in their culture that they have given the same weight and authority as biblical stuff. My dear wife is in a correspondence with a Catholic lady who is Latin mass Catholic. And she keeps hitting my wife with, well, Aquinas says, the Pope says. And Kay goes back to her and says, what does Scripture say? Well, and it's the same kind of thing because what's happened in all churches, not just the Catholic Church, I'm not throwing rocks at them, that's just an example I have, is we grow up this body of doctrine around what we believe the scriptures say and that takes on more importance to us than what the actual scripture says. So the next question is, why should we believe the scripture? Let's take a step back. Did the United States have a civil war? Was Lincoln the president during the civil war? How do you know? Serious question. How do you know? So what you've got is writings that have come down to you that you believe. So, did God create the world? Shua the Messiah? How do you know? You know that on exactly the same authority that you know that we had a civil war, that you know that Lincoln was the president. The mechanism here is exactly and precisely the same because none of us were alive when those events transpired. The point I'm making is neither the Bible nor history requires any faith to believe it. It requires human reason. So what you're doing is you are taking, for example, the body of history that you have learned, and we have books where we've read the letters of people in the Civil War writing back home and all those kinds of things, and we look at all that and we can build up a picture in our mind that this event really happened. You have the same record of the events of 
the time of Christ, of the prophets, etc. Somebody once said, and I don't know who said it, it's not original with me, if the Bible did not purport to speak of God, it would be regarded as one of the most authentic historical documents in human possession. The problem that people have is it talks about God. Therefore, the red lights go on and, ah, this must not be true. But what I'm telling you is it's better attested to than, for example, Plato is. Everybody believes Plato existed. Socrates existed. We believe all that. And they did. I'm not questioning that. The events around Yeshua and Israel and the prophets are better documented than those things are. So what is required here is not faith, it is reason. God gave us the mechanism of reasoning. The way we think about stuff are the tools that God gave us to navigate the world. He then gave us a book that you can approach with that same facility and you can then recognize as true all of the things that are said in Scripture. Now, the Pharisees had all that information. They had all the same information that you have. Probably better, because they read it in the original language. You're reading it translated three times. And so when reality faced them and it didn't match up with what they wanted to believe, they canceled the blind guy. When people read the Bible and it doesn't line up with what they want to believe, what they do is cancel the Bible. Oh, that's 2,000 years old. On and on and on. You've heard all of the reasons. That's the way people behave. But there's nothing irrational about the Bible. This is not original with me. I got it from the philosophy of Hebrew Scripture. One of the things that for example, C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying, is the reason I believe all this is precisely because it is so absurd. The idea that God could become a baby, be raised as a young child, die for our sins, that's just all absurd. And that's why I believe it. Well, no, it's not absurd. Everything that happens there is predicted in Scripture. Everything that Yeshua does is predicted by the prophets hundreds of years before he does it. Everything he does is documented by hundreds of witnesses. This is not something that he did in a closed room with nobody else around and wrote it down and you're expected to believe. No, there's hundreds of witnesses to what happened. Just as the Pharisees should have been able to understand because they had the witness of Moses and the prophets in whom they believed. Very straightforward. So as you go out among your friends and family and people and so forth, and they say, oh, that's just the Bible. That's just your opinion. No, it's probably the best documented set of events in human history. At least as well documented as the Civil War. Yet you won't find any argument about the Civil War because it doesn't impinge on their belief and it doesn't require things of them. If the Bible is true, then some things are required of us. God says so.
He gives us that information. He tells us how to live. That's, again, where the red lights all come on and say, ah, we can't do that. And that's the same problem the Pharisees had. Now, at the end of this, Yeshua doesn't quote, but cites Isaiah. So I'm now down in John 9, 35, 41. Yeshua heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Yeshua said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Yeshua said, here we go, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. There's your key. That's not a quotation, but what he's citing is Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And he said, God, so and he said, go say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Yeshua is saying the same thing. What he's saying is, I came into the world to open the eyes of the blind. Remember, he's the light of the world. You see with your eyes. So he's come into the world to open the eyes of the blind, but... Those who are satisfied and will not see, them he has come to blind. So the prophet Isaiah, when he comes to Israel, Israel is in a sorry state. And God has decided they're going to go into exile. So at this point, what he says is, turn off the sight and turn off the sound, because it's too late for these people. They're going into exile. What Yeshua is saying is basically the same thing to the Pharisees. I've come to open the eyes of those who will see, but you who won't, I'm going to blind you. And what we have in this vignette in John chapter 9 is exactly what's going on. These people refuse to see. They will not see the evidence of reality right before them. So Yeshua says, okay, you don't want to see what I'm showing you, then you will be blinded and you will not see anything more. And Yeshua says to them in verse 41, John 9, 41, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, you say, you say, we see your guilt remains. So these are the ones who have the eyes that they think are open. But Yeshua says, no, they're not. And because you say you see, which is to say this is what you believe, but you won't change your attitude, then your guilt remains. If you hadn't understood, if you'd been ignorant, I could have opened your eyes. But you guys are so learned and you think you know what's going on that you won't let me open your eyes. That's what's being said in this. And what God does is he puts us in this world. And reality is what we are supposed to be living in. As I said last time, stupidity hurts, but not right away. 
And these guys are being stupid. They are ignoring reality, and it's going to be painful because 40 years later, the Romans are going to come and sand the place off. Now, I started off by saying this whole John chapter 9 sounds very much like a Twitter stream. He's speaking to us. To use a simple example, in the barnyard, there are cows, there are bulls, and there are steers. Putting lipstick on a steer does not make a cow. Taping horns on a cow does not make a bull. That's reality. But look at what we're doing. And I say, that's just an example. You all know what I'm talking about. We refuse to look at reality. And people who speak of reality, we cancel from Twitter or Facebook or whatever because we don't want to hear it. So Isaiah and Yeshua is speaking to us as well as speaking to the people of their day because the stuff that they did, we do. We are every bit as human as they are. We are every bit as frail and fallible. We have the same information, in fact, more information than they had, yet many of us refuse to see. So as you go out and talk to your friends, if you get the, oh, that's only the Bible kind of stuff, hit them with the fact then, how do you know that we had a civil war? Explain that to me. There's no real faith required here. It's the same mechanism that you know about the civil war, you know about the Reformation, you know about the pilgrims, all of those kinds of things. You don't know any more about that than they know about the Bible, but you all believe they're true. So don't apologize for believing Scripture. Not believing Scripture is the stupidity, not belief.